welcome to Wealthion. I'm Wealthion founder Adam Taggart. It's estimated that there are over 50 million pensioners in the United States alone. And like the US, the United Kingdom, Japan, Italy, Germany, and many other countries around the world are all in concerning condition when it comes to the solvency of their pension funds. The recent book, How to Steal a Lot of Money Legally, authored by Ted Sadell, was written to give guidance, resources, and tools for today's pension stakeholders and society at large so that they can take action and stop the looting. Ted's a former SEC attorney. His firm, Benchmark Financial Services, has pioneered over $1 trillion in forensic investigations of the money management industry. He's nationally recognized as an authority on pensions and investment management matters, having testified before the Senate Banking Committee regarding fund scandals and as an expert in various Madoff-related and other litigations. In fact, in 2017, Ted secured the largest SEC whistleblower award in history of $48 million, and in 2017, in 2018, he received the largest CFTC award in history at $30 million. Ted, thanks so much for joining us again today. Thank you, Adam. All right, Ted, um, a lot to get into here. And since the last time you were on this program, a little over a year ago, a lot has happened in the world regarding pensions. So it's turned into a very timely topic. Um, got a number of questions here for you. But before we jump into them, just at a very high level, let me just ask, what's the current state of the U.S. pension system? Well, the U.S. pension system is more precarious than ever. I mean, if you look at public pensions in this country, we're at around 70% funded until the most recent uh, uh, financial turmoil. Uh, they're probably significantly less funded. But the two major challenges that are facing U.S. pensions are lack of transparency. Transparency has plummeted in the information age, believe it or not. Pensions in the United States are less transparent today than they were 20, 30 years ago, believe it or not. And the, the other side of the coin, the reason they're less transparent than ever is because they've been loading up on high cost, high risk alternative investments. These are investments that that are alternative to publicly traded stocks and bonds. So we're talking about hedge funds, private equity funds, real estate funds, uh, venture funds. So these uh, investments, these investment managers, Wall Streeters have demanded secrecy. And so as more and more uh, public pensions are piling into alternative investments, transparency is plummeting, which makes for a very, very dangerous situation. All right. Uh, so less funded um, than we'd certainly want, uh, and uh, we can't even really see how bad it is right now. Um, curious to just to hear on, on this transparency part of things, um, uh, or, or you, you, in your answer that you had said that they've been, um, one of the reasons why that's so bad right now is because the pensions are loading up on a bunch of um, you know high risk, uh, potentially high return, but but much more speculative assets. Um, how much of that do you put uh, that culpability? Do you lay at the feet of the the central banks? You know that that basically starved the world for yield with their zero interest rate policies, and you you know these pensions they have to make what what is it you know 
average of 7% yearly or whatever uh, to meet their actuarial um, commitments. And so it pushed them out on the risk curve to seek higher yield. Um, would you put it all at the, the feet of the central banks or is part of it due to Wall Street finding an opening in the door and coming in and just pushing products that it made a lot of money on regardless of, of how safe it was? Well, you give me a lot to talk about there. Clearly, <laughs> the central banks play a major role in uh, by keeping interest rates artificially low for so long. Uh, and um, that is a type of massive government intervention, similar to what we just saw in UK, uh, what, two months ago, month and a half ago, where we had a near pension collapse within a day or two of a major government intervention in, in, in the financial realm. So it, it's very clear what caused the near collapse of the UK pensions, uh, what, a month ago or so, directly tied to massive government intervention. And the government, the central bank, uh, keeping interest rates low in this country has, has been created a huge problem for Wall Street. I mean, for pension funds. And Wall Street, the solution Wall Street has a solution to every investor problem. And the solution is always pay us more in fees. So what Wall Street did was they came out with the highest cost, highest risk investments ever devised, the most secretive investments ever devised. And so it was you know, an opportunity for Wall Street to come in and say, if you uh, agree to these secretive, high cost, high risk investments, we will help you meet that uh, ridiculously high actuarial assumption, which used to be closer to 8%. Now it's closer to 7%. But uh, pundits like, well, geniuses like Warren Buffett have said, have said that that assumption is way too high. And it is way too high. But um, that is the what's been driving public pensions and pensions of all kinds into these secretive high cost investments. Okay, so um, so many different places that I can take this. Um, we've got this sort of building powder keg, if you will, of um, pensions that have taken on too much risk. I got to imagine 2022 has been a bit of a reckoning year for a lot of these guys just based upon their portfolios, right? We've had one of the worst years ever for stocks and bonds together. And Ted, I, I know, and maybe it's worth talking about this for a second, because uh, it's on the same theme. <laughs> uh, when you've been on this program in the past, you've said, yeah, everyone sort of talks about you know bonds when it comes to pension funds, because you know those are, quote unquote, the safe investments. But you basically said, like, pension funds don't really invest that much in bonds anymore. I mean, they're, they're so much more loaded up on these alternative investments than folks imagine. Is that is that a correct statement? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Pension funds today have a very minor holdings in pure bonds. I mean, so they get into a lot of uh, high yield hedge funds and all kinds of crazy um, uh, other uh, quasi fixed income investments, but they're not bonds. These are they, they have very different risk profiles, very different uh, potential returns. The actual percentage in bonds is 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 very small these days. Um, so that's you know, that that the old fashioned notion that that pensions are primarily in bonds or significantly in bonds is just not true anymore. Right, and and the assumption that pensions are primarily invested in safe 
investments because they're supposed to be the good stewards of people's retirements. I assume that assumption is is relatively wrong at this point in time, too. That's right. And one of the things we, Robert and I, talk about in uh, Who Stole My Pension is how pensions uh, routinely lie about their risk profile. So if a pension fund on its website says that they're 30% in bonds or whatever, or 20% in alternative investments, the actual allocation to, to alternative investments is probably closer to 40%. And the percentage in pure bonds is, is significantly low. So what we talk about in Who Stole My Pension is that pensions lie about the fees they pay, they lie about their performance, and they lie about their risk profile. And you, know, you raised a great point, Adam. You said, well, 2022 was a, uh, was a terrible year for all asset classes, right? Not so, because as public pension, most pension, public pension funds um, uh, have delayed the day of reckoning because the alternative investments in their portfolio, first of all, as I discuss a lot in uh, How to Steal a Lot of Money, the alternative assets are being self-valued by the asset managers. So the, the, and of course, there's a conflict of interest there because the higher the value of their investment portfolios, the higher the fees they get paid. So the alternative investments are, first of all, being self-valued by the asset managers. And second of all, they claim that they're being, the values being shown are on our a quarter or several quarters in arrears. So you're not seeing current market value. At the end of 2021, 2022 fiscal year, you're seeing the value of these alternative assets three to six months in the past. <laughs> three, three to six months in the past, but also valued at whatever you know, the, the holder deems their worth, right? They're not being marked to any sort of, you know, publicly traded market price. Well, I think the correct term is marked to make believe. <laughs> okay. That's what we call it in the forensic world. Yeah. So there, there are two huge problems there. So when you said, okay, let's say last, what did the market do in the last uh, fiscal year? Uh, down, uh, whatever. Pick a, I don't know what the number was. Down ten percent, or yeah, uh, you're you're being generous there, but but yeah, I think right now we're I don't know maybe down I don't know you know fifteen percent on the S and P you know yeah. bonds are still down about thirteen percent. Right. So what you see if you go to pensions most recent recent financial statements, you'll see bonds down ten percent, equities down fifteen percent, alternative investments up forty percent. Okay. So how'd the pension do? Well, we lost 3% for the year, so we beat the market. No, that's not quite what happened. You're comparing yourself, you're comparing apples to oranges. But if you look at most state pension funds for the last fiscal year, you'll see that their performance was down a few percent. And how is that possible? Because they're not marking down the alternatives and the alternatives values soared according to their financial sales. Got it. Um, I, I got to imagine your experience would tell you that in a year like this, it's the more speculative alternative assets that are probably taking the most damage. So, you know, there's a lot of window dressing going on here. Um, they're, they're, they're purporting to look a lot healthier than they probably really are under the hood based upon the type of year we've had. 
Absolutely. And I recently completed a forensic investigation of the Ohio Teachers Pension Fund, which is a $100 billion um, pension fund in Ohio. And uh, 30,000 retired school teachers raised the money to have me do a forensic investigation. And uh, for the last fiscal year, the, the pension fund approved $10 million in bonuses based upon their reported performance. They paid out the bonuses. Then a few months later, they announced, oops, the pension fund didn't lose $3 billion, lost $5 billion. And so now the teachers have, are trying to claw back the, the money. And they, those, those staff bonuses were never deserved. They were based on bogus financial information. And now that the day of reckoning has come, that in fact, at year end, they were down $5 billion, uh, to pay $10 million in bonuses for losing $5 billion irks a lot of retired school teachers in Ohio. Well, absolutely. It must. And, and, and just to underscore here, folks, um, I'm glad you just told that that story, Ted, because I um, just wanted to make sure folks know that you're not giving an opinion here on what's going on here. Um, you have a career of basically forensically investigating pension funds. You just talked about the Ohio one that you've done and, and, and you know, maybe just to make sure folks understand, um, you're kind of almost sort of like a hired gun where a state or municipality can say, hey, we've got some concerns about our pension here. We want someone to come in and really crack open the books and tell us exactly what's going on here because the pensions are squirrely the way in which you've you've explained. And so, you know, if you get enough support, um, you go in and, and and you do this. And this is something that your company, you know, makes a living at. So you're not just, you know, some guy spouting opinions. You actually have gotten your hands deep into the books of a number of pensions and know what you're talking about here. Um, and I'm curious, do you I think I know your answer to this, but is the is the problem getting better with folks like you coming out there and, and shining some light on some of these players? Or is it is it continuing to get worse for the reasons you mentioned earlier? Um well, as, as you mentioned, Adam, I've done over a trillion of these forensic investigations from a Rhode, state of Rhode Island pension fund, the state of North Carolina pension fund. And sorry, you mean a trillion dollars worth? Yeah, a trillion, sorry, a trillion yeah. dollars worth. You'd yeah. be busy if you did a trillion investigations, yeah. I've done over a trillion dollars worth of these investigations of major state pension funds uh, and also cities like Chattanooga, Nashville, Jacksonville, where I was hired by, sometimes I'm hired by the city who wants to know what's going on with their police pension fund. And sometimes I'm hired by the participants. And sometimes I'm hired by, like in Ohio, the Ohio Retired Teachers Association, or in uh, Rhode Island, it was the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. So what I do is I go in and take a look. What is supposed to happen with public pensions, public monies, there's supposed to be public scrutiny and public accountability. Every state has a public records law that is similar to the Federal Freedom of Information Act. You should be able to, whatever state you're sitting in, request information about your pension fund, your state pension fund, and get that information. Unfortunately, these states have become very adept at uh, undermining public records requests stonewalling. 
So if you can't get access to the documents, if you can't read the prospectus before you invest, because the pension won't allow you to see how your retirement money is being invested, all you can do is hire a forensic expert who comes in and says, uh, I can connect the dots even when all the information hasn't been provided. All right. And, and let me just say, Ted, thank goodness that there are players out there like you that are helping bring transparency into this both very opaque but very critical, you know, uh, arena because there's millions of people or, or thousands and hundreds of thousands of people whose pensions are, you know, dependent upon um, how these these players are, or these actors are managing their funds. Um, all right. So um, as I, I mentioned, I one other thing I wanted to mention that is that, so um, when I did the forensic investigation, I just completed a forensic investigation of the Ohio Teachers Pension Fund. The state auditor determined that based upon my findings, he had found a quote unquote reasonable basis to conduct a special investigation of his own. That is going on now. It is supposed to be uh, uh, released before year end, but the point is, yes, the results of the forensic investigation are taken seriously, and we are doing the work in Ohio that the attorney general and the state auditor should be doing, but they're not qualified to do it because they don't know anything about pensions. And so we are leading them, and hopefully they will follow and take action. All right. And... I'll ask this question one last time, sort of a different way. Um, so you were called into Ohio, you, you you looked at the situation there and said, yeah, there's things that concerned us enough and they were concerning enough for the the state to get involved and say, okay, we're going to do our own special investigation. Um, you know, just sort of finger to the wind percentage wise, um, you know, how representative of what you found in Ohio do you think applies to the rest of the country? You know, is this, is, is over half are over half half the pensions as poorly managed, um, less, more? What does your gut tell you? Well, we know that this is going on in every state, every city, every county. What Wall Street did was, over the last 15 years, was eviscerate the nation's public records laws so that they got opinions from every city, every county, every state, saying that prospectuses and other investment documents could be withheld from investors. And that took a very concerted effort to every single city, every single state, every single county, where wherever I've done a forensic investigation, if I'm representing the stakeholders, the pensioners, I'm not allowed to see the documents. If I'm representing the city uh, or the county itself, then I can get, or sometimes the pension itself, I can get the actual insider documents. But, you know, the standard mantra of every regulator is read the prospectus before you invest. Well, state and local government workers who invest in their pension, they're not allowed to see the prospectuses or any of the offering documents. So, so I get I get to interrupt you, Ted. So I can understand why a bad actor would not want you to be able to read the prospectus, but how was it explained? Well, like, the how are they getting away with this? Well, the explanation, you know, is that the very convenient explanation is that Wall Street, uh, I mean, well, the convenient explanation is that 
the parties who want secrecy tell the public secrecy is good for them. We are, the argument is that the alchemy that we're doing can only happen behind the curtain. If we open the curtain, if everybody sees these spectacular investment opportunities, the special sauce, uh, they'll disappear. So we can't let the world know what's going on because otherwise others will sweep in and steal those investment opportunities. So secrecy is good for you, Mr. Uh, school teacher, says Wall Street, and secrecy is good for us because it allows us to, to you know, pluck the best investment opportunities. Okay. And is there any real truth to that in your opinion, or is it mostly just smoke and mirror? Oh, it's entirely smoke and mirrors. I mean, remember that we're talking about uh, what Wall Street calls trade secrets. They're claiming, Wall Street is claiming that these investment prospectuses and other documents should not be made public because they are trade secrets that are exempt from public records disclosure. Well, if Coca-Cola stood on a street corner and passed out the recipe for Coca-Cola, soon uh, they couldn't very well argue that that was a trade secret. Wall Street is handing out thousands, millions of these prospectuses to wealthy individuals globally. Yet they claim that's what, what is in these prospectuses that are widely distributed are somehow trade secrets. It makes no sense. And anybody who practices trade secret law would tell you that that's absurd. There's nothing in these documents that are trade secrets. They're widely distributed. If they can tell me as a wealthy investor where the money's going, they should certainly be able to tell school teachers. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, there was a recent um, uh, development that, that proves the point you're making here, right? Which is uh, that these, you know, very opaque um, investments can really make a big difference uh, to the performance of the fund, um, depending upon how they perform. Um, and uh, so we had the you know past week plus, we've had the implosion of uh, FTX, one of the largest crypto trading exchanges. And it uh, turns out there have been a couple of pensions, uh, teacher funds that have been invested, uh, that were invested in some of these, uh, some of FTX's uh, ventures or in the, the crypto tokens uh, themselves. Um, and I think they are just waking up right now to, hey, wait a minute, we had, we didn't even know we were in this thing. And you're telling us that it's getting marked to basically zero. So um, is that a good example of the type of risk uh, that these funds can be facing by being invested, you know, by some smart financier in a, hey, we can't tell you what we're in because if, if we told you, everybody would know? Yeah, it's exactly, that's a perfect example. And what we've had happen, and I wrote an article about uh, pensions investing in cryptocurrency about a month ago. And the uh, National Organization of Public Pensions immediately denounced me saying that's just not true, that I was trying to uh, undermine pension funds. And the Ohio Teachers Pension Fund responded uh, to a public records request by saying they had if they invested in crypto, they only did so indirectly through funds. Therefore, they had no records of any crypto investments. So what they were saying is they don't know whether they're in crypto or not. Mm -hmm. And what we were able to determine very quickly was that they were in a number of funds that had significant FTX exposure. Uh, 
So it's, it's a perfect example of um, the dual uh, the dual detriments, if you will, of transparency. Transparency at state pension funds involves not only or lack of transparency at state pension funds means that you as a school teacher or taxpayer have no idea where the money's being invested, but the people running the pension, they don't either. They're also being kept in the dark. So uh, secrecy at state pension funds has two insidious features. The people running the pension don't know uh, how the money's being invested because they're not being told by Wall Street. And the people whose money it is uh, don't know how it's being invested because that it's being kept from them as well. All right, and let's let's talk about um, about the the people who are running the pensions, because um, some people are going to hear that comment and say, "How do people running the pensions don't know what they're invested in?" Um, so you can explain to us what what actually happens there. But from previous conversations with you, I've, I've had the impression that there's at least you know it's not it's not uncommon for um, some of the folks on the board of the pension who are making these decisions are representatives of the constituency that the pension serves. So it's a firefighter, it's a teacher or whatever, right? It's a policeman. It, it's someone who the membership has said, hey, we want you on the board because we want one of, you know, we want our folks there making sure we're not getting taken advantage of. But at the same time, these people don't really have any formal investing experience. And so oftentimes they're just kind of led around by the nose by the flashy bankers who say, oh, this stuff's too complicated for you to understand, but we're going to tell you why with our special magic, we're going to make you a bunch of money going forward. Yeah, well, the pension boards at public pensions are made up of elected officials, um, union representatives, um, retiree representatives. I should say uh, the pension boards are made up of elected officials and their designees. Um, a representatives of active workers and representatives of retirees, none of which know anything about pension investing. Um, we have a remarkable situation here in Florida where the governor, uh, who has a net worth of $300,000 and zero uh, investment experience, has come out uh, telling six trillion in public pension money, how that money should be invested. Mm -hmm. Gone out and said that, that they should not invest in ESG. They should pursue an anti-woke uh, agenda for some reason. Um, and so there's a prime example of someone who knows nothing about investing and certainly nothing about being a fiduciary to a six trillion dollars in retirement savings coming out and saying uh, that that this is what should be done for all the state pensions across the country. And Florida is unique in that it only has a three-person board, and the three people on the board are all elected officials, all of whom receive campaign contributions from Wall Street. Oh, my gosh. The attorney general. It's unique uh, in this country. Most pensions have 12-person boards made up of, like I said, worker representatives, retiree representatives a designee of the mayor, let's say, or the governor, but not in Florida. Florida, we only have a three-person board, elected <laughs> officials, and it's a deeply flawed structure. Absolutely. Uh, it just, I mean, I guess this is sort of politics and money and whatnot, but God, just hearing you describe all this, Ted, you know, it's just like, 
how can we imagine that this would ever work out, you know, well, uh, in the best interests of of the uh, constituents? Um, uh, no. I don't know. So well, look, when you and I talked before, you had said, hey, there's there's kind of three things that matter in terms of how a pension does. Um, it's the money that goes in, right, that's being put away. It's the money that's being taken out. And then, and this is the one that that we've been talking the most about here, but it's when you said most people overlook is how well the money is being managed while it's in the fund. And from our previous discussions, um, and folks, if you want to see you know a deep dive into that stuff, um, I, I'll put up a link to the earlier uh, interview I've done here um, with Ted. But um, uh, I recall from that last discussion, you were saying we're doing a bad job on average in all three. <laughs> we're not putting enough away. <laughs> Too much is being taken out, too much is being promised, and too much is being taken out, um, given the solvency of the funds. Uh, and for a lot of the reasons we're talking about here, uh, the mismanagement is really bad. Um, a, is that all still true? And B, which of the three worries you the most? Is there one that's worse than the rest? Yeah, it's still true. But the real driver of, of pension fund underperformance, underfunding, is mismanagement of the investments. Uh, because it's as simple as if you're uh, if you have a one percent a year that's being squandered over the course of thirty years, a worker's life, that's a that's thirty percent without compounding. And so when you see when you see that public pensions are thirty percent underfunded or only seventy percent funded, uh, where's the money going? It's going out in the form of uh, excessive uh, and illegal fees, conflicts of interest, fidu fiduciary breaches. It's really the management of the money is what is causing uh, pensions globally to uh, underperform. And by the way, as we were talking about these, these uh, high-risk investments that are showing up increasingly in American pensions, they're also being shipped abroad. I mean, most of the the America is the premier financial innovator. Most of the toxic investments that have been created are created in America and then marketed globally. Right. And so, and usually with a delay. So 10 to 15 years after these investments have taken hold of American pensions, they're now being shipped abroad and embraced by pensions in Japan and Australia, uh, the Netherlands and throughout the world. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because we do have a lot of international viewers of this program. Um, you just mentioned a couple of countries there, but are, are there certain countries that you are more worried about pension wise right now? Well, I'm worried whenever I see that pensions uh, like in Japan are embracing private equity based upon misrepresentations of the performance of these investments here in the United States. So as these countries are are wading into these waters, they're being told these are proven investment strategies that have worked out well in America. Um, and if you're going in under that uh, false premise, you're going to be uh, sorely disappointed. So whenever I see pensions uh, opening up for the first time to esoteric investments um, and embracing secrecy, uh, to me, that's a very uh, bad sign because they, from the get-go, they're they're obviously getting uh, conflicted advice. Because if they really dug deeper, they would know that there's a tremendous downside to these financial innovations. 
Okay. Um, you mentioned earlier what happened in the UK. We've talked about that a bit on this program. Um, uh, before we turn the camera on here, you and I were talking about um, uh, this topic, and you mentioned Germany and Australia in particular by name. And I'm just curious, any particular reason why you, you picked those two countries to, to flag? Well, immediately after the um, the breaking news about the, and it was very sudden that all of a sudden there was a potential for, according to experts, 90% of UK pensions to collapse. Uh, that took everybody by surprise. Then there were articles that came out about uh, the German uh, pension system, experts there saying, uh, could be on the verge of collapse. Similarly, in Italy, there are issues there. So um, what the UK pension uh, crisis uh, near collapse did was raise awareness and everybody was asking, well, could this happen in America? Could this happen in these other countries? And the answer is yes, can happen in, in almost any country. All right. Well, look, let's let's talk about kind of how bad this could get then. So um, we we have the issues you flagged. Um, we have the poor performance this year of at least the the assets that we can mark to market for for these guys. Um, and uh, I've had a lot of experts on this program recently saying that uh, not everyone, but a lot of them think that, that we have not seen the bottom of the bear market yet. Right. So that that market prices could go down further from here. Certainly looks like um, we could be heading into a recession next year, um, and so it just, at least from the from from the near term outlook, it seems like the the hits could keep on coming, in terms of blows that the balance sheets uh, of these pensions are taking. So, like, how bad could it get? I mean, what what does what the contagion risk look like here? Uh, do we do we see a big pension fail, and then you know? Does that start some sort of domino effect or, or, or you know, at some point, if, if big pensions start failing, there's going to be demands for a bailout that opens a whole other kind of can of worms. So just when you worry about where this could go, what does that scenario look like in your mind? Well, the one thing that we know for certain, Adam, is that um, the alternative investments have not been uh, marked to market. So we, we know that there are hidden losses at every single state pension fund in this country. How big those losses are, we don't know. We do know that uh, CalPERS, I believe, recently sold a, a portion of its uh, alternative investments at a 10% discount, okay? So if the investments were worth 100%, according to their books, why did they sell at a 10% discount? Well, obviously they weren't worth right. uh, the 100%. And then it begs the question of what about the rest of the portfolio? What about the rest of the alternatives? You know that when you are in a, when you're in a uh, financial pinch, you sell the assets that, are, that you can realize the value first. You don't sell the least... You, you, you sell the ones that you have that are most liquid first. So if the portfolio that was recently sold at uh, in California was uh, sold at a 10% discount uh, on average, 
uh, one could imagine that the rest of the private portfolio there is significantly more underwater. And we're talking tens of billions of dollars for a, a pension fund that is already deep in the hole. So th this is what we know is that, uh, that um, when you look at these pensions and, and you see that everything lost money except for their alternative investments are up 20, 30, 40%, you know that that can't be true. You know that there are gonna be markdowns coming in the future um, and that these funds are already severely underfunded. Some of these pensions are only you know 40 or less percent funded. 12 to 40% funded, which by 12, the 12% funded, my God. Well, that would be Kentucky. Uh, but if you look at like the Illinois, I just did a podcast with the Illinois teachers uh, last week. And that pension I think is 40% funded. Uh, according to the books, according to the books, it's 40%. right. Which that might be the rosiest view is what you're saying. <laughs> Clearly, it's the rosiest view. There is no way that they're understating the value of their assets. That's I mean, that's a basic tenant of uh, forensic work is nobody undervalues uh, <laughs> their performance or understates their performance or undervalues their assets. So, yeah, the uh, the pension could easily be, you know, another 10 percent underfunded. So it's it's a. Uh, you know, it's a gradual process. The, the, the extent of the losses won't be realized overnight. They will uh, leak it out slowly over time, over the next year. Um, but the, the, the warning signs are definitely there. Um, all right. So again, um, so how do you see this playing out here, right? So let's, let, let's say Pensions start getting to the point where they they they're having to announce or reveal. Oh my gosh, we're we're much worse off than we thought we were, and that we were reporting. What what then happens? You know, is it is it is it bailouts? Is it um, haircuts? Is it you know some of these things just go poof? I can't really imagine that that's going to happen. Um, but I'm curious how you think it's going to be dealt with. And and then I have another question I, I want to get to, which is sort of the neighbor versus neighbor civil war this might spark, which is, hey, if this is all happening because we're in a really bad recession and whatnot, um, how come my neighbor's pension gets bailed out when I don't have a pension, don't get any bailout, and my taxes are going to go up to, to pay for that guy? So before we get to that part, though, how do you see the, the, the reckoning rolling out here? Well, the, the reckoning will be, you know, a series of paper cuts, really. They will... Uh... The, the standard steps that are taken are to um, reduce benefits, particularly eliminate the cost of living adjustment that's been promised. Uh, recently, I'm involved with suing the Screen Actors Guild for eliminating COVID coverage to actors uh, during the pandemic. So this, again, is an example of a benefit that was promised. Mm -hmm. uh, cut, cut COLAs, cut healthcare benefits, make the age uh, for retirement uh, older, you know, put it off, uh, require greater contributions from employers and require greater contributions from workers and require greater contributions from taxpayers. Those are all the paper cut ways of, the, you know, of uh, dealing with a pension uh, problem without uh, acknowledging what went wrong. One of the things I can absolutely promise you is as pensions collapse, uh, the 
the uh, the um, my experience has been nobody wants to know what went wrong. Nobody wants to investigate what went wrong. I always say uh, to clients, investigate before you litigate, negotiate, or um, legislate. Investigate first before you legislate. Never happens. Never happens. The le- the fix comes in before the problem has been identified. So, so and sorry to interrupt, but does that mean bankers skate usually because nobody's really doing the investigation? Absolutely. Bankers skate because of two reasons. One, public pensions aren't governed by ERISA or any comprehensive federal law. And that's why they reserve their sketchiest deals for public pensions who they regard as the dumbest investors in the room. And the other reason bank skate is because it's virtually because of the lack of regulation, it's virtually impossible to sue a money manager for ripping off a state pension fund, unless the pension fund itself wants to bring the suit, and they usually don't because of political play to pay to play issues. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the bankers will most certainly skate, and not just the bankers, the actuaries, the investment consultants. One of the things that that I found in dealing with thousands of pension bankruptcies, particularly at the PBGC, the uh, federal agency uh, that uh, insures corporate pensions, is uh, nobody wants to uh, investigate the causes of pension failures. And there's never been a pension that failed where there wasn't a room full of experts saying it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Every one of these pensions has got a room full of experts saying that everything they're doing is right. Oh, all right, Ted. Well, I think you've got a lot of people's blood boiling here. Um, and look, you're just the you're just the messenger in this case. In fact, you're out there trying to do you know uh, God's work in terms of you know shining bright light on the problem and hopefully getting at least certain you know the funds that you're looking at to change their behavior. Um, uh, I, I, as we begin to wrap up here, I guess there's a couple of key questions. I just want to make sure that I ask you. One is, is if let, let's say somebody is watching this video, they're over 50. Um, we'll keep it to the U.S. for right now. And they have a they're expecting a public pension upon retirement or maybe they're even on one right now. Um, should how confident should they be that the, the promises are going to be um, uh you know, kept to them on what they're due. And I know this depends on pension fund by pension fund and all that stuff, but but just finger to the wind. You know, if you're old enough, you're largely going to be safe. They're gonna they're gonna take care of the people that are close to retirement and retirement. Or do you think everybody should reserve a little bit of space in their mind of like, I might actually get some cuts. My pension check may go down, some of the benefits that they currently are promising me may, get, may go away. Uh, what do you think? Well, first of all, anybody who is dependent on a corporate or public pension should assume that they likewise have a room full of experts that are giving them strategies for how to cut benefits and how to uh, reduce costs and you know bolster the pension. So there, while both ERISA and um, for corporate plans and public pensions are supposed to be run for the exclusive benefit of participants. That's not happening. Uh, and, and it's not happening anywhere. But 
pensioners should assume that the sponsors of their plans are actively seeking ways to reduce benefits. Pensioners should also uh, spend time requesting public records. That is the best protection you have is to find out what's going on with your money. And if you request documents, it's going to take you years to get them. So you better start sooner rather than later. later. So I would say there's absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain by filing public records requests and also uh, being aware that uh, when it comes to pensions, a promise is really worthless today. We've seen that time and again. Okay. Um, I'm sure that's scared a fair amount of people that are on public pensions right now, but if that's the hard truth, that's the hard truth. Um, you talked about how the bankers might skate here and or will likely skate. And, um, you know, I think back to like the 2008 housing bubble implosion. Um, you know, you had a lot of relief going to people who took out really risky mortgages. Um, and there was a lot of frustration by people that didn't feeling like that they were having to pay for other people's profligacy. profligacy. Um, we've seen something similar with um, the student loan uh forgiveness program that's been proposed, right? Where there's a lot of people who just didn't take out the loans uh, or, or, you know, went through the burden of paying off their loans and are feeling like, wait a minute, I did the more responsible thing. The person who really loaded up is getting some relief. I'm not getting it. Um, kind of going to my neighbor versus neighbor point here is, is um, I presume somewhere in this problem, you know, if, if we get the reckoning, you think the bailouts to some degree are going to play a role here. Um, do you expect this to sort of be a social flashpoint, like I described earlier, where you have people who are saying, wait a minute, this this pension was really poorly mismanaged. Why are my taxes going up to bail them out when I'm not getting a pension myself? Well, it's already happening, Adam. There's already been a federal bailout of the multi-employer pensions. Uh, these are Teamsters pensions, all, all these uh, uh, truck driver pensions and uh there's been a massive bailout under the Biden administration of multi-employer uh, corporate pension plans, which means that billions are being uh, pumped into these funds without any accounting for, well, what happened to the money that was there? How do we know that going forward, things are, are, going, to, uh, are going to be done more prudently? So we've already had massive bailouts of private pensions, multi-employer plans, particularly under the Biden administration. Um, and so what you're talking about is what we call pension envy, which is uh, if, if I don't have a pension at all and I live in the state of Ohio, why am I paying taxes to ensure that this other person who works for the state has a pension that I will never have? Right. Um, and that's a serious issue. Um, and that should be a driving, a, a, you know, some real interest in uh, scrutinizing these public pensions more carefully. Uh, but that that will continue to be a problem uh, as fewer and fewer Americans have pensions at all. Um, those who do have pensions uh, will there will be pension envy and those and when they're bailouts, uh, that are very, some of these bailouts are very significant. Uh, um, that will be a flashpoint as well. 
Yeah. And to your point, you know, the bailout's going to come in. It's going to help shore up something that was really poorly managed in the first place. And then the bankers are basically just going to say, great, a new influx of capital for us to start, you know, diving into here <laughs> and ripping off for ourselves. Yeah. And the board, remember, each of these pensions has a board um, and the boards will remain the same. There's been no cleanup. There's been no lesson learned. The only lesson learned is if you uh, lose enough money, you'll get a bailout. Um, so there's there's no fix uh, to the problem. And that's what I've been working with uh, the U.S. Air pilots, the United Airline pilots since 2006. I was asked to meet for the first time with the PBGC to propose forensic investigations to those and other failed pensions. Uh, and what the government told us was they had no interest in investigating the reasons that pensions fail. So that was what, 17 years ago? Oh my goodness. And now there's a bailout of this, this multi-billion dollar bailout of multi-employer plans. Um, and again, nobody wants to know what went wrong. Super frustrating. Um, I guess in your case, Ted, you probably are going to have some of the best um, job security uh, of anybody <laughs> in the going forward era. Um, so real quick, if if, if folks um, would like to, let, let's say they're part of a public pension and uh, they're determining, hey, I want to get this thing forensically investigated here. And they've got the ability to, you know, collectively partner with other people inside their plan and and approach you potentially or, or say, hey, Ted, we'd like you to come take a look at what we have here. Um, well, how does that process work? Well, and again, I'll plug the book one more time. As we mentioned in uh, Who Stole My Pension, we talk about crowdfunding forensic investigations. Um, and so the process can work through a Kickstarter program or um, a GoFundMe program. Or like in Ohio, the Retired Teachers Association raised the money on their own. And what we try to do is to make sure that nobody pays a lot of money to have an investigation done. So if you have hundreds or thousands of people giving 50 to $100, um, I think it's worth 50 to $100 to find out whether your pension is being managed properly, particularly since you're not allowed to see the documents. Uh, but that's one of the uh, ways of doing it is any workers can uh, get together and crowdfund an investigation. Their worker associations like the State Employees Association of uh, South of North Carolina hired me, 55,000 members they have. The organization itself hired me. Um, but uh, there are ways that it can be done. And of course, the, the simplest starting place is do a public records request. Ask for these documents. And if by some chance you get them, great post all the documents online and you don't need me. The, the public will comment. The global community will have plenty to say. But the fact is you're not going to get the documents. And so after you request the documents and you're denied in Stonewall, you might want to think about having a forensic investigation done and perhaps crowdfunding it. All right. Um, and Ted, just do me a favor, hold both books up again here for a second. 
Um, where should folks go to get these? Are they just uh, Amazon? Yeah, they're both available on Amazon. And Who Stole My Pension was the number one bestseller in crowdfunding, <laughs> among other categories, because it really talks about, uh, I mean, the strategy is that crowdfunding will work to uh, get to the bottom of a uh, these state pensions that should be uh, monitored by attorney generals, state auditors, but no one's monitoring them and right. then if, if they were doing their job if they were doing their job and this how to steal a lot of money legally talks about the devices that wall street uses to engage in pension theft uh, whereas who stole my pension is more about uh focused on what's going on at the pension level okay uh so ted i still have a ton more questions that i just we don't have time to to get into here um so I'd love to have you back on. Um, I, I think that that there's, I suspect, and folks, please let me know in the comments section if this is true. I suspect there's enough people here, um, Ted, that would love to ask you their own questions. Um, and we have started the process uh, occasionally of bringing an expert on and doing uh, just a live Q and A, um, where folks just ask questions, and I I toss them up to you, and you answer as many as you can within 45 minutes or so, and we. You know, try to cover as much ground as we can. If you're open uh, to doing that, folks, um, let me know if there's enough interest uh, in the comment section below. And if there is, I'll reach back out to Ted and see if we can schedule something in the future. Um, Ted, all right, well, look, it has been absolutely fascinating. I got to be honest, infuriating uh, hearing your truths here about how poorly this process is run. And we're talking about people's you know, retirements here. I mean, we're, we're talking about People have worked their whole lives paying into a system that they are expecting something out of. And you're basically saying, you know, we, we got to mentally prepare that, that they're not going to get everything that they were promised um, and probably at great cost, both to them and to society at large. Um, folks, if you, if you have concerns that this has raised, um, uh, highly recommend you discuss them with a professional financial planner about what, um, you know, uh, future sort of pre-gaming you, you should be doing to say, hey, wait a minute, what if my pension gets cut by X, Y, or Z? You know, what can I be doing with my savings now uh, elsewhere to try to protect myself from that? Uh, definitely talk to your financial advisor about that. If you don't have a good one, consider talking for free to the one of the ones that Wealthion endorses. To go do that, just go to Wealthion.com, fill out the short form there. Doesn't cost you anything, no commitment to work with them. It's just a public service that's offered. Um, last, if you'd like to see Ted back on this program, if you've enjoyed the hard truths that he has uh, very generously shared with us here, uh, would like to see other great guests like him on this program, please continue to support this channel by hitting the like button and then clicking on the red subscribe button below, as well as that little bell icon right next to it. Ted, it's always great to have you on here. Thanks so much for coming on and joining us again. Okay. Thanks a lot, Adam. It's great. And by the way, I just did, last week was a podcast for the Illinois Retired Teachers Association. And it was precisely what you said. It was a uh, half an hour I talked and then the half an hour Q&A. They had, I think, 200 people on the Zoom. Um, and uh, Robert and them, we sent the book out for free to, to, to 100 of them, I think. But it, it was, it was uh, you know, a lot of Q&A. All right, great. So again, if you're open to doing that, folks, again, if you want Ted on to do that, let us know below. Um, thanks again so much, Ted. Everybody else, thanks so much for watching.